Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Should technology replace people? My guest today doesn't think that could happen. However, he does believe that technology can be leveraged to increase efficiency and strengthen relationships. We'll be talking a little bit about that and about virtual meeting rooms and everything else. I'm telling you, it kind of gets, uh, it's different, but we're, it's going to be a lot of fun. And you'll hear that in this interview. Scott Akerley is the CEO of Pango Group, a company whose mission statement is enhancing the lives of the people, partners, and communities it serves. Sounds a lot like our hero club in the C-Suite Network. He started his career as a part-time messenger at an escrow company and rose through the ranks to become an influential part of the industry. Scott, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Thanks, Jeffrey. Pleasure to be here. It's good to have you. I haven't seen you for a couple of years. You were at one of our very first C-Suite Network conferences that we did out in Marina Del Rey and probably one of one of the best conferences, we had LeVar Burton there. We had the CEO of Charles Schwab there. I mean, we had some big names there. It was a great event. We really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed participating and being involved with everybody. Really high quality people. A lot of fun. I'll never forget. I got a call from someone who said, hey, we want to come and uh, do some music for you. I said to the guy, he's a, he's a saxophonist, Scott Page for Pink Floyd. I remember telling him, hey, Scott, I can't pay for you. He goes, will you feed us? I go, yeah. He goes, that's all we want. I he love it. <laughs> I know. He showed up with Michael Jackson's drummer and a bunch of other people. And, and some. Uh, and uh, there was another famous band. I can't remember who it was. I'll try to remember. But they showed up, too. And I had no idea who they were. And uh, but they were pretty famous. Everybody knew them. I was like, ooh, they were all God. Hey, I have to ask you right off the bat, what does Pango mean? And how did you get that started? And and why do all your companies have to have different names? That's the other thing. I want to know about that too. Yeah. So years ago we started doing partnerships. And um, in order to do the partnerships, we ended up having different names for each joint venture with that. But our first partnership, um, when we were looking to create a holding company, we were trying to figure out what that name was. And so our first partnership that we created 20 years ago. Um, we were looking to try to set up the meeting. We met with our partners and he invited us to go over to the Polo Lounge in Beverly Hills. And I was nervous, never been there before. And Pretty you know, cool I'm place. going through the whole script of oh, what am I going to say? And how am I going to close this deal and everything else? And, and I get there and he's with his partner and he brings his 90 year old grandmother who's visiting from Chicago. <laughs> and I'm with my partner, Jeff, and we're sitting there like, okay, scripts out the window, what we're trying to figure here, not doing that. Let's just hang out and have a great lunch and just talk about life and business. And, and I had a great lunch with her. And at the end of the deal, at the end of lunch, we shook hands and decided to go into business together. And um, so Pango came from the name pledge or to trust in Latin, um, because we shook hands that day and did not have an agreement and didn't sign an agreement for five years and invested several hundred thousand dollars as we were setting up that partnership. So it was uh, a little scary. I wouldn't recommend that from business advice. I, I was going to ask you. Yeah, I was going to ask you, would yeah. you, I've done those kinds of deals before. Most of them are pretty good. Most yeah. of them, you know, vast majority, I'd say 99%, but there's always that 1% that's not. 
that really cost you and is real pain in the you know what uh, when it goes. Yeah, they bad. have been great. We actually have set up four different companies with them over the past twenty years, and it's just been it's been an amazing relationship. And it started out on a handshake, and yeah. you're kind of a funny story within that. My daughter was born that week, so the holding companies is Amanda Holdings, and the following year when we were setting up our management company, we became R and T Management when we had twin boys, identical boys, the following yeah. year. So yeah. it, uh, it was just a great story that whole week and that year with them. And it's been fun. It's, it's interesting how you come up with names. Like I have Lynn Ty cause I have Lindsay and Tyler. Yep. Um, that's the name of one of my companies. And you know, I, so I, I'm kind of curious about the structure. I'm just asking this cause I think it's a good learning for a lot of people, but you have a holding group of some kind, right? Yeah. So like, for instance, I have that Hazel group and the Hazel group then owns you know, a part of this company or majority of this company or hundred percent of this one and hundred percent of this one, I might then take on investors, but that one company owns the pieces of the other ones and each one stands alone. So like the C-suite holdings or C-suite network, the radio, the hero club, I can just keep going on, but that's how we do it. You do something very similar to that. We do. Pango Group is our holding company. Um, and then from there, we have five divisions. So we have an independent escrow company division um, that's, a sole, that's a separate company. And then we have another set of corporations, which is all of our joint ventures, which Amanda Holdings holds that. Um, we have our management team that works in the, in the R&T management or now California Settlement Services team. Um, and we have an ancillary businesses division where uh, it's, it's basically all of our partners um, uh, it's a, it's a auxiliary business. So it's insurance, scanning companies, things like that within that. So we have these different companies, um, that part all it. do so, it, but it's the whole you know, company one, and it makes. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause a lot of times each one of these companies, you do it differently. Like a lot of people would look at, do you have a branded house or a house of brands? Sounds like you have a house of brands, which yeah. means different companies doing different things. It just has to be one common DNA. Let me ask you, you rose through the ranks of the escrow industry and you, yeah. you know, you were part-time messenger and then you became, as I recall from reading your bio, the, the, you became a receptionist to where you are now. Right. Yeah. So, you know, how, what, what was the business lesson that you learned early on that you still apply to right now? You know, when you run around as a messenger or receptionist for the company, and here you are now leading this with 300 employees and all these different yeah. business groups. So what's that one thing that you remember from there? You know, I think one thing I think about all the time is one of my first mentors said to me, um, you can either have 10 one year experiences or 10 years of experience. And how do you learn each and every day and grow upon that versus just redoing the same thing every single year. And so it's been that constant, you know, how do you improve? How do you leverage it? How do you grow? I think I've reinvented myself, you know, a half dozen times as we've, as we've gone through the process. Um, and I always kind of think about that in the back of my head is that I, I want to gain and I want to learn and I want to grow. I don't want to keep reliving the same experience over and over again. Yeah. A big part of what we want to talk about today is a little bit on the technology side. So what are you seeing that, you know, that really jumps out at you right now? Well, I think the thing that we're looking at, like for our industry specifically, you know, remote online notaries kind of changing how real estate transactions are going to be done. And and we're going to be signing people up remotely, what that looks like. We're looking at like Venmo type payment centers that we can instantly pay people. Um, Blockchain, we're always looking at 
potentially the cryptocurrency. Um, data is a big part of, of what we're trying to do and how do we analyze data. But then I think from there, it, you know, it kind of gets exciting of like, what does 5G look like in the future? Um, mm -hmm. You know, does augmented reality play into that and, and you're sitting at home and, you know, you got a special glove on and you're looking across the room and it looks like you're all in the same conference room and you're shaking hands and you can kind of feel it. And, um, you know, how does that play out? Have and, you done um, that? That's kind of I weird. have done that. It's uh, it's really incredible. Um, I'm in this group, Abundance 360, and it's all about future technology. So I've been able to do a lot of those things. And it, it's we, in fact, if it wasn't for COVID this year, I think we would have an augmented reality training room set up right the second. Um, we well, kind of put it on hold. Oh, I'll, I'll have to introduce you to a company called Converse. Oh. Uh, they're they're leading this in this area, and they're one of our members of C-suite. Hey, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. I want to ask about Notary. You brought up something about Notary, and i got to ask something about that. We'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back live right here and doing a live cast on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thanks so much for joining us today on All Business with Jeffrey Is it right here on C-Suite Radio. With me, I've got Scott Ackroy, the CEO of Pango Group. We're talking about technology is replacing people. Is it going to be good or bad? And then we're going to talk a little bit about the real estate industry because he's one of the icons in real estate in California, and we want to talk about that. You mentioned a virtual notary. How the hell can you do a virtual notary? I mean, how do you know that the person is there? So let's imagine I got to get a notary or they like, I, I don't know, I'm serving you with some court papers, Scott, or yeah. something like that. I need a notary. I need to know that that's you and you got it or something, or I'm transferring a deed over. How do I know it's you? Well, so have you ever done a banking system where they ask you if you lived at this address and things like that? And yeah. there's just so it's kind of part of that technology that they're kind of layering into this. So you get online with the notary, you start having a conversation, they kind of verify who they are, and then the screen goes blank and, and they go back and start asking that person those questions. Um, if they pass that test, then they come back and now you actually start the notary process. Um, and so it's using kind of that banking technology of your history and making sure that you are who you are. And so, yeah, because I mean, I know we do that with DocuSign in terms of, and I've right. been on the board for DocuSign. Um, of course, we took the pump the public now, I think almost two years ago. Great company. Um, a great company, big in the real estate industry. It's where they got born, um, but then moved into other things for document transactional management. That, that, that's an interesting piece. So with I, and then you mentioned the virtual, you know, virtual meeting rooms where you can actually like put the glasses on. What, why wouldn't I just, just talk to you like this? Well, I just, if you want that more personal experience that you actually look like you're sitting around a conference room together um, and yeah. potentially, you know, for us, it's, it's, um, you may not be like looking at a house or something specifically on it, but like, let's say you wanted to tour a house, you could walk through a house kind of together almost with that technology with a, with a buyer or a seller and, and kind of look at the house together and, and be able to do that. And, and then I think the next set of that is, you know, traveling I and mean, what is, how does autonomous vehicles play into this? And how does Hyperloop play into this? I think they're doing a Hyperloop out there in South Dakota and, you know, Uber Elevate is launching. I think they're going to do their first flight autonomous drone in LA in two years from LAX to Staples Center and take a hour and 15 minute drive into a 15 minute flight. And so, you know, I think when you think about all the technology and how it plays, how do you stay and stay connected? But the reality is you could be in a different state and and feel like you're right there with somebody. Yeah, well, the Hyperloop in South Dakota is just to move cows very fast. That's it. That's all we got. We got more cows than people here in the state. So. Just, it's it's got to start somewhere. 
It's got a hyper loop for cows. Can you imagine that? That'll be something right to the, right to the slaughter. 600 miles yeah. an hour. Yeah, exactly. But, but they are looking at it and it's a big thing. We need all that. We need it all. We get to get to, as we need, we need every bit of that we can get. So yeah. what's happening with, what's happening with the real estate industry? How hard have you guys been hit in California? I was talking to somebody in San Diego who says, if you're a seller, it's it's unbelievable there. And I would have thought the opposite of that. But he said, if you're a seller right now, it's just a premium. Yeah, it has. It started out being a pretty brutal process. I mean, I, um, the first couple of weeks into it, we, I think one day opened 15 escrows and canceled 18 escrows. Um, wow. And it was just a horrific kind of few months there of what was going on. But it has picked back up substantially. We actually had our best opening month ever in the history of the company in June. Um, and there's a lot of people out. Inventory isn't very high, but things are selling really, really fast. And so I, I don't see that slowing down right the second, but inventory is low. So that that's concerning as you kind of go into Q3 and Q4. Is that because um, people are hunkered down? I mean, and, and that's really the essence. And I assume on the home side, I'm really, let's talk about commercial in a second, but on the home side, I would imagine that people are kind of hunkered down and just going, well, I can't really sell because I can't really leave. I can't really find something because I can't really go into someone's home because of the virus kind of activity. You know, it's been interesting. We've had people buying homes sight unseen. Um, we've had some of that. We've talked to, you know, I talked to a friend of mine who's an attorney in New York and he lives in a, in a high rise and he'd finally decided with his little kid, you know, we can't be in this 900 square foot space anymore. Let's move out to the suburbs. And he called his realtor. The realtor said half your building's up for sale right now because everybody wants to move out to the suburbs. Um, you know, that's not so much happening in LA in a lot of those high rises where we were kind of talking about that this week that, you know, it's kind of a lot of younger couples, older couples, things like that. And so that really isn't happening here. Um, but people want more space. They, they want to, you know, relooking at their house and saying, do I want an office here so I can work from home? Things like that. Um, so it's happening. There's, there's still a lot of activity. People are doing a lot of remodels talking about that. Um, you can't get a mm -hmm. contractor for a lot of situations right now. Yeah. Well, the remodeling is going through the roof. Everybody I know is painting, recarpeting, building a deck, doing something yeah. uh, to improve, um, improve their value, but probably more their quality of life or they, well, and they've got time to do it, right? Well, yeah, I kind of felt guilty through the process because, you know, we have a big backyard and you can go outside and you know, our kids are jumping in the pool and, and people, some people were stuck in apartments that we knew and couldn't even go outside their apartment. And so, yeah, it's nice to have a little bit of space and, and to be able to get outside for sure. So what opportunities that you've seen that you're capitalizing on, you know, for your company right now? So we set up joint ventures for real estate companies and create additional revenue for them. And so we opened one last week um, and started that out and, and it's taking off. We're in negotiations to open another one right this week, right in a, in a few weeks, hopefully. And so and give me a, give me an idea of what that joint venture is. What's it doing and how are you, you know, what, what kind of project is it and what's the scope yeah. of it? So in these, in these cases, and the reason we have the different names is that we partner with real estate companies. And so typically they control the real estate transaction. Um, and they're looking to say, how can we, you know, create additional revenues of income? And so they might set up a title company or an escrow company or a lender. And so mm. we step in as the escrow company and do a joint venture with them um, and open an affiliated company with them. And so trying to hopefully capture some of the business that they're doing and create some loyalty within that. So, and then as the escrow, you're handling the money between the two parties that are either buying or selling, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. 
And then is the, does typically then the real estate partner also get a piece of that then too, in terms of the fee, because the escrow is usually a, let's say I'm doing a billion dollar transaction. I'm going to pay a pretty hefty fee on something like that or a smaller, you know, but it's in that we're talking about into the millions to be able to make sure that money's there to, I, what, what are the points typically on an escrow deal? Two dollars per thousand is kind of what it normal charge somewhere around there. It, they're mm-hmm. different in each region's a little bit different um, about how they charge, but it's by the thousand is based on the purchase price, um, and it scales from there. And so, yeah, the the broker they'll own a percentage of it, and you know we will try to be an, we are an independent company and we grow out within the community, and we just share the profits based on our stock ownership. Do you only do real estate transactions? We've done, I mean, within that crypto, we've done holding mobile home, bulk sales, all of those transactions as well. So not just residential or not just commercial. Yeah. Got it. It's all about the money. It's all about making sure money gets from one player to to a buyer. It's to the seller. That's the way it works. You got to make sure because it's an interesting process. Let's talk a little bit more about that. We'll come right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Everybody, welcome back as we're doing a live cast right here on Facebook and LinkedIn. Thanks so much. We get so many great notes from so many people every day as thousands and thousands of you watches right here on LinkedIn and Facebook. You know, when we first got started uh, broadcasting these, I thought, wow, what a great thing. And it's turned out to be better than we ever expected because you're able to participate, listen, watch, learn while you're doing it. Or some of you might even be listening to us a little bit later on. Uh, on the repost, which is awesome to be able to have that ability to do it and uh, to be wherever you are. And of course, we're on C-Suite Radio. That's where all business with Jeffrey Hazlett resides, C-Suite Radio. And you're listening to it wherever you normally listen to a podcast. So we just try to go where the people are, as they said. Sam Kennison. Remember Sam Kennison? Scott, he was a comedian. Oh, yeah. California. He was great. Yeah. He was, his parents were holy roller ministers. And so he had that style of a, a Pentecostal minister. And he used to always say, hey, people are starving in the desert. You're starving in the desert because you live in sand because the food doesn't grow there. He says, move to where the food is. And that's what, that's what we do. So we go there. We talk about escrow because oh, um, let's talk about how escrow works, because I think that's kind of an interesting piece that most people don't know. Like right now I'm doing with some big transactions and I have to have an escrow agent. I have to have somebody who's going to verify the funds are there, right? So there's not a clawback or not those kinds of things. I want to make sure the money's there and I get that money out of that escrow and into my account as fast as I possibly can. So talk about how that works. Well, so we hold the money in the documents and we want to basically make sure that, you know, we're not going out and verifying anything specifically on a property or anything like that. But, you know, we're holding the money. We make sure the buyer's deposit comes in. We make sure all the contingencies that buyers and sellers agree upon are removed. They're satisfied. The lender's comfortable with what the buyer is doing. We get the loan proceeds. We get the document signed by the seller. Um, We get the loan document signed by the buyer. And we hold everything to just make sure they verified everything. They've done everything that they've agreed to do. And when everything's ready to go, we make sure it closes and everybody gets, you know, not only their money and their documents and everything, but along the way that, you know, we spend a lot of time and protecting their non-private personal information and making sure they're comfortable and, and there's no cybersecurity issues and things like that. So we spend a lot of time, energy and money on those type of things to protect our clients. 
Yeah, people say, well, why would I use that? Let me tell you what, there's a lot of nasty people out there and a lot of unscrupulous people. And and now digitally, you don't always know who you're doing business with. So it, it always yeah. pays to have a good person in between. Let me, we were talking a little bit about values. In my last book, I talked about uh, the hero factor. I talked about putting people above profits. And yeah. I know that's something that you believe in as well. Talk to me about values and how you utilize your values in the business. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's, it makes tough decisions really easy when you know what your values are and, and how you operate. And, and um, you know, it, it's following those things and, and it's been great. I mean, I, I think we, everything we do, our values are contributed and, and they're talked about. And so going through this process, um, you know, it's not necessarily one of our values, but people first and people over profits is one of the things that we talk about a lot. Um, and so, you know, in this, in this situation with COVID, for example, health insurance came along and it was, it was an increase this year. And we decided that we would pay hundred percent of that increase. We don't normally do that, but we realized in talking to our employees, not only, you know, they may have had their job. We didn't lay anybody off. We didn't do any pay cuts or anything. doesn't mean their household didn't get hurt. You know, we have 300 employees, but if you count their family members, there's 800 people. And so when we look at it and we look at those decisions, we're looking at 800 people, not 300 people. And how do we make the right decisions for their, them and their families? That's a great, great consideration. I don't know that I always think about that, but if I start deep thinking about it, then yeah, that's how I look at it. But it, you know, normally you just think about the employees. Oh, wait, their families too which is right. an important piece, right? Yeah. It, it, when you have the values, it, one of the things you said is that it makes it easier to make the decisions, but it doesn't make it easier all the time to implement based on values, does it? No, it, it does not. I mean, it's a lot of time and energy and effort to, to get people wrapped around. And so we talk a lot about them. Um, you know, integrity. I mean, escrow is kind of a, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get from point A to B. And so one of the things that we talk about integrity is just simply, are you comfortable standing in front of another person and, and talking about why you did what you did? Um, yeah. And that's part of our integrity is that you're just doing that. And so, you know, we talk a lot about encouraging people and, and um, making sure that they're comfortable in what they're doing. And, and, and we want to empower them to make decisions. And so we say, you know, if you make a decision that, you know, what the worst that's going to happen to you, unless you're making an illegal decision, um, is that we're going to have a conversation and say, here's how we do it differently next time. You're empowered mm -hmm. to make decisions. Um, and we have a great group of people that make a lot of decisions. When this whole thing, when COVID came down, you know, it was amazing. They just, everyone went into, you know, immediately their roles of what we needed to do and finance team, disaster recovery team, coaching team. You know, we do a lot of coaching with our people, our coaching of our finance team, weight loss team, um, life coaches. Um, all those people just kind of jumped into it because it's part of who they are and what they're trying to do. Um, and, and it was in pretty incredible to watch. So. It, it, how do you, how do you get that? How do you get that? How do you get people to jump in like that? What causes that? You know, I, I like to think of it as just kind of their, they own it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I think one of the hardest things that I've gone through over the past few years as we've gotten bigger is I am actually quieter in meetings than I used to be because I want them to be able to make the decisions. And so yeah. I sit back. In fact, I have managers every once in a while like, hey, Scott, I want to hear you talk more. Um, but I'm trying to empower them and, and I'll coach them through situations and talk to them about it. But since they own it, you know, it's pretty easy for them to jump in and say, here's what I'm going to do. I mean, our finance team, when this happened, you know, had they had a million dollars in suggestions to reduce expenses within a week, 
because we go through a fire drill every year that they kind of own. Um, and they said, let's execute a fire drill. Um, mm. Our IT department, you know, we've been buying laptops and IT equipment and getting everything that if there was a disaster, we could move people around offices or do whatever. They jumped in and just did it. Um, and so I think they own it. They have ownership in it. They have pride in it. And they wanted to execute on it. And and they did pretty flawlessly. And it's uh, our vendors, you know, our, our uh, you know, just personal protection equipment and making sure people were taken care of. We have great relationships with our vendors. And so when we were looking for equipment and what we we're going to do, we called our vendors up and, and they said, every time we get a shipment and we'll make sure you have some. And we were sending out, you know, masks and gloves and hand sanitizers, even to our employees that were at home to make sure that they were safe at home. And so we sent out packages, care packages um, to our employees at work and then our employees that we had moved remotely. Well, so, you're, 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 giving me, you're giving a commercial for what we call C-suite supplies because we did the exact same thing because you got to protect your most valuable assets and who are yeah. they? Your people. Your Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Scott, what a pleasure to have you with us joining us today. Scott Aker with the CEO of the Pango Group. Uh, real estate, escrow, everything. He's got, man, he's got so many dang companies. I bet he's got a spreadsheet just to keep track of. Scott, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate having you right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Absolutely a pleasure. Thanks, Jeffrey. Hey, at the end of every show, I'd like to talk about what I learned. I tell you what I learned, value. I remember reminded about value. You know, our Hero Club, it's all about value. It's about putting people above profits. And that's a big piece of what we want to do. And when you have values, when your business is rooted in values, you heard what he said, it makes the decisions easier, not the implementations. Listen, standard for values is not an easy thing. You know, standing, you know, standing up and saying, I believe in this. You know, I believe in how we operate, you know, whatever, pick a topic, pick, pick any aspect of it in terms of how you treat people, how you treat customers, you know, everything that you do. And sometimes doing that, it's difficult. It's not easy. But the, if you have the values, the decision's easy. The implementation is always hard, you know? Um, yeah, that's what I learned. Right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio. Don't forget, tell your friends and send us a few more listeners. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Brought to you by C-Suite Radio. A podcast network featuring today's top business experts. And is part of the C-Suite Network. The world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.